0: All right, let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, and we'll start with Proverbs chapter one, our theme verse for this series, Proverbs chapter one, verse seven. We're continuing in our series, Pearls and Perils in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter one, verse seven, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Oh, that God would make us more wise each and every day. The book of Proverbs, 31 chapters long, 915 verses. This is a compilation of sayings by Solomon that apply to our everyday lives and activities. The theme of this book is the wisdom of God. The key verse is Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7, which we just read. And we are reminded as we read this book that many of the things we see in here were not just limited to the days of Solomon, but they are relevant for us on a daily basis. We began this series considering the idea that the things that we see in this book are of great benefit and help to us. And as we've started this, we've titled this series Pearls and Perils. There are jewels to be found in this book that will be a great help to us. But there are also pitfalls that we need to be aware of. And Solomon sets forth to differentiate between the two. We know, as we said, the theme of this book is wisdom. The idea here is God lays out two different types of people, two paths, two lifestyles. You choose the path of the righteous or the unrighteous. You choose the path of the wise or the path of the fool. We began this series. We considered, first of all, the purpose of the book of Proverbs. Then, the second week, we looked at the people of the book of Proverbs. Last Sunday, we considered the paths of the book of Proverbs and today we'd like to look at the subject of the places of the book of Proverbs. The word place is found over 700 times in scripture and six times here in the book of Proverbs. Throughout scripture it's used in a variety of ways and it could be referred to a standing, a spot or a location, or a condition. Now, there are several specific locations referred to in the book of Proverbs, such as a house, a home, a city, a street, a gate, the wilderness, and many others. But to keep with the theme of this series, that of wisdom and instruction, we're going to consider the figurative use of the word place found in this book. And we'll consider three things today. First, the place of commotion second, the place of confidence, and third, the place of conceit. So you hear in Proverbs chapter 1, look down at verses 20 through 22. Wisdom crieth without, she uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city she uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Now, how appropriate that we've already addressed the people of the book of Proverbs. And now, as we look at the place of the book of Proverbs, we consider this first, the place of commotion. Here we have an example of wisdom personified. Notice it starts out in verse 20. Wisdom crieth without, she uttereth, she being wisdom, uttereth her voice, In the streets. She voices her plea in a very public and prominent place. This emphasizes the importance of making known the will of God to all people everywhere, no matter the locale or who may be present. Two things we note in this verse. First, we see the city's gate was an important place. She crieth in the chief place. The city's gate provided easy access to inhabitants and guests. It provided limited access to thieves and invaders. It provided a convenient location to conduct business. And as well, it provided a common place for meetings. The place of the gate, it was an important place. You see, the need to speak out for God and for what is right In the presence of others, and in this situation we'll see in just a moment, the presence of masses has never been greater. There's an ever-growing effort in our country to silence the voice of Christianity or the voice of righteousness and eliminate the presence of God from the public eye. They tell us religion is okay as long as you keep it in the home or in the church house. But it doesn't belong in politics. It doesn't belong in government. It doesn't belong in business. It doesn't belong in industry. It doesn't belong in entertainment. It doesn't belong in sports. Religion is okay as long as you keep it where it belongs And their attitude is they don't want to hear about God in the public eye. There is a very strong effort and a growing effort, a continuing effort to silence the voice of Christians, the voice of Christianity, yea, even the voice of righteousness in the public eye. Satan's crowd they would be quite satisfied if not only the talk of Christ and God was eliminated from the public eye, but it was eliminated privately as well. Their attitude is there's no place for it in a modern society. Well, the fact is God demands his saints be active, vocal, visible witnesses of him. Psalm 18, verse 49, this says, Therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises to thy name. Right there, that indicates God wants us to be a witness in front of all people. You know, their attitude is, you people stick to yourselves. You, you, You have your crowd, you keep to them, you stick to them, you leave us alone. Well, we need to be an ambassador for Christ. We need to be a vocal and public witness of our Lord. Psalm 72, verse 18 tells us, Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only doeth wondrous things. And blessed be his glorious name forever. And let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. That means everyone, everywhere should hear of the wondrous works of the Lord. Even in the New Testament, Romans chapter 15, verse 9 and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written for this cause, will I confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. Well, I'm so glad the gospel message expanded beyond the house of Israel and was extended to to Gentiles. Aren't you glad we have an opportunity today to not only we have heard the gospel, but we have the opportunity to share it with others. Beloved, if we, if we give in to Satan, and we follow his crowd's advice, we will be silent. You know, God never intended for his army to have a secret service. God expects us to be active in serving the Lord and visible in the eyes of the world. That's why our Lord used illustrations such as the candlestick. He said, you don't put a candlestick under a bushel, but you put it on a hill. So it can be seen. We're not to hide our faith, we are to broadcast it. Well, not only is the city's gate an important place, but notice as well, it's a busy place. Again, in verse 21, she crieth in the chief place of concourse in the openings of the gate. The word concourse, I didn't know this until I looked it up, it means to make a loud noise or roaring. It refers to being in great commotion or tumult. It pictures wisdom calling out in a crowd, being vocal in front of everybody. You know, there's a difference in being a witness to one person. A little, little bit easier to be courageous in that setting, and that circumstance. But when you're alone in a crowd, that's a whole nother story. Well, this indicates that wisdom cried out in front of everybody. It didn't matter who was there. It didn't matter how many people were there. The idea is wisdom ought to be broadcast to the masses and not just to one person at a time. See, the descriptive language of this verse points to this activity being a place teeming with people. You know, that's an accurate description of our world. The Bible tells us, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. There are over 7 billion people alive on this planet today, and that number is growing logarithmically every day. We need to be a witness to everyone that God gives us an opportunity to come into contact with. You see, wisdom raises her voice over all to offer herself to anyone who will listen. So one of the joys that we see in the book of Proverbs is the encouragement we receive from the Lord to be a witness, to be a vocal, to be a testimony for Christ in front of everyone. Yes, we have our private walk with the Lord, our personal relationship with Him, but we ought to as well have a public testimony for Christ and be active witnesses of His. Someone has said, wisdom is not silent, nor does it hide. So first off, we see here in in regard to this place of commotion. We live in a day that's busy with its hustle and bustle of activity. Now, not so much so these days during the virus shutdown and all of that in so many locations. But when this breaks and we get back to a normal activity and lifestyle, the busyness is going to return. The roads are going to be packed with vehicles. Stores will be crowded. Restaurants will be busy. People will be everywhere. But to the busyness of the day or the hour does not relieve us of the responsibility of being a witness for our Lord. Then notice the second place here. We see the place of confidence. Proverbs chapter 14. We're in Proverbs chapter 1, so just turn over to Proverbs chapter 14, notice verse 26. The scripture reads, In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children have a place of refuge. Ah, the word refuge, it means a shelter, or a place of trust. So not only are we to exercise, to exhibit wisdom, Throughout the busyness of the day, out in the public eye, but we are as well confident that God grants wisdom to those who find their confidence and their comfort and their strength in the Lord. The man or woman who fears the Lord has every reason to have a strong confidence in Him. You know, that's a question that can be posed to a lot of folks today. In whom or in what Do you trust? Where do you place your confidence? Do we place our confidence in the government, business and industry, finance, wealth, power, prestige, influence? Do we place our trust in people? The scripture tells us it's better to trust in the Lord than to put our confidence in man. Romans 8.31 What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? We are admonished in Scripture to trust the Lord no matter what our circumstances. I fear some of us spend too much time listening to the news. If you listen to the news, (laughs) a steady eye to the news, it'll pretty much lead you to conclude the earth is going to split in two any minute. It's terrible. Everything is falling apart. The world is crumbling around us. Society has is, is gone uh, gone down the tubes. Well, we know that's true, but God's in control. I'm thankful He's on the throne today. He sits in heaven, and the world today is following along the path that God established millennia ago for His plan for the ages. God sets everything in motion according to his timetable. And if we are confident, we are trusting in the Lord, we can be assured that he's going to work all things according to his will and his good pleasure. Romans chapter 8 tells us, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. You see, our trust in Him and His Word leads us to be calm and confident throughout the struggles and the trials of the day. It doesn't matter what's going on around us. And by the way, should the wheels fall off our nation and we end up going strong to the left as a result of this next election, it's still going to be under the oversight and watch care of the Lord God of heaven. Now I trust that doesn't happen. We want to see our nation protected and preserved and to be able to prosper and to continue as it has. But remember, God is in control and things will happen according to His will and we are safe in him. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. David, the psalmist here, is telling us it doesn't matter what happens around us. We trust in God because He is our refuge. He is our safety. He is our strength. Our enemies may rise against us. Isaiah chapter 54 verse 17. This promise to Israel but is applicable to God's people. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And the righteousness is of me saith the Lord. Yes, the promise of our Lord Jesus Christ himself. And remember, the first century Christians endured great persecution, tremendous opposition, hated on every side. Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me, is greater than all. No man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. What a joy to know we have the promise of eternal life, eternal security, eternal safety in the Lord. Though tragedy may strike in this lifetime, we may, must be reminded our life is but a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Our eternal home is not on this planet. Our eternal home is in heaven. May we trust the Lord, being wise as his saints, to walk with him and find in him a place of refuge throughout these days. Cory Tenboom Boom was noted as saying, when a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off the train, you sit and trust the engineer. It's certainly a good life's lesson for every one of us. Never doubt in the dark what God promised in the light. D.L. Moody said, Trust in yourself, and you are doomed to disappointment. Trust in your friends, and they will die and leave you. Trust in money, and you may have it taken from you. Trust in reputation, and some slanderous tongue may blast it. But trust in God, and you will never be confounded in time or eternity. Yes, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children have a place of refuge. Well, these first two topics provide us with two more jewels to add to the string of pearls found in this book. But the next adds to the list of perils of which we are warned. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 6. We've already seen the place of commotion. We've seen the place of confidence. But here we see the place of conceit. Proverbs 25, verse 6. Put not forth thyself in the presence of the king, and stand not in the place of great men. Now this verse warns of the danger of, of yielding to pride. It speaks specifically of self-exaltation in the presence of those in authority, but also applies to the exercise of arrogance in general around others. The phrase, put not forth thyself, literally means to swell up. It refers to favoring or honoring oneself through high-mindedness or pride. You know, it was the sin of pride that moved Lucifer to attempt to dethrone God and take his place in heaven. And it is that same sin of pride that leads us, yes, us as God's children, leads us to exalt ourselves before others. I realize God doesn't classify pride, or classify sins as big ones and little ones. All sin is sin in the eyes of God. But humanly speaking, if I had to say one was greater than the other, I would put pride at the top of the list. And is not pride one of the greatest challenges to us in our walk with the Lord and our testimony before others? I believe this is true, and so much so that our Lord Jesus Christ addressed this topic a number of times in his earthly ministry, one of those being in Luke chapter 14. I'm going to read verses 7 through 11, so we see what he has to say about this. And he, being Jesus, put forth a parable to those which were bidden, when he marked how they chose out the chief rooms, saying unto them, When thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden. By the way, in context here, it was the custom for a a banquet or a wedding or some public event for the most prominent of individuals to have the front seats. And then as people decreased in importance, so to say, in the society, they sat farther back in the crowd. So Jesus is addressing that so I'll start over there in verse 8, when thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him, and he that bade thee and him come, and say to thee, give this man place, and thou begin with shame to take the lowest room. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, and when he that bode thee cometh, he may say unto thee, friend, go up higher, then shalt thou have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee. Notice how he closes this. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Humility is a grace that is to be manifested in the life of every believer every day. It's not one of those things that we're allowed by God to just pick and choose and say, Well, today I'll do my best to be humble, but tomorrow I'm just going to let everybody know how great I really am. That's not the way the Lord expects us to approach this. The application of this proverb is both relevant and appropriate for all individuals in every walk of life. So much so that God has addressed the matter of pride versus humility throughout Scripture, always condemning pride and always promoting humility. Think about God's formula for revival, as stated in 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land again starting out with humility acknowledging before god our weakness our shortcomings our sin and declaring our utter dependence upon him proverbs 29:23 solomon stated a man's pride shall bring him low but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit james 4:10 humble yourselves therefore In the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. 1 Peter 5, 6, Peter repeated this same thought. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Yes, there is great danger to step into, to stand or to walk in the place of conceit. Bob Jones Sr. said, Pride is the stone over which many people stumble. C.S. Lewis Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. And John Bunyan wrote, He that is humble ever shall have God to be his guide. Yes, Proverbs here provides us with many ideas in regard to the places we find mentioned in this book. But for these three, the place of commotion, the place of confidence, and the place of conceit. I'll close with this thought. The last verse in the book of Proverbs, that contains the word "place," Proverbs 27 verse eight, provides a rebuke for the person who forsakes their responsibilities. It reads, "As a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place." Just as one who wanders from their place of responsibility is demonstrating discontent and restlessness, so a lack of wisdom exercised on the part of God's people in any of these areas indicates a failure on our part to be wise by failing to walk in the path of righteousness. Shirking responsibilities prevents us from building anything solid and substantial for the Lord. It's been said wisdom is the reward you get for a lifetime of listening when you would have preferred to talk. And from his book, Knowing God, Packer writes, wisdom is the power to see and the inclination to choose the best and highest goal together with the surest means of attaining it. How are we doing in these places we've considered? I trust the Lord will help us to be wise in each of these areas.